talk about the eight steps and this really a leader's guide to success now I know a number of you are watching this live some are watching this recorded some are hearing this on podcast later there's a number of different ways this is going out but you may have already heard the eight steps maybe even read a book about it um, I just want to encourage you as you're listening to it now to to start fresh with it um, I, I was as I was preparing for uh, teaching this I, I got to thinking about my history with the eight steps and um, as I was going through it, and I've taught this, I don't know how many times, um, but as I was going through it and preparing my thoughts for uh, this teaching, I, I just was reminded at how much this has guided me in my life, uh, the eight steps. The very first time I heard the eight steps, um, there was no book. It was a speaker on a stage in Greensboro, North Carolina. I was in a coliseum. It was 94, 95. I was probably 18 years old at the time. Uh, I was there for a, a, a network marketing uh, big thing. There's like 20,000 people in this coliseum. And I heard the guy get up front and talk about the 18-player steps. And I thought he said eight teen like one eight and I got to number eight and he was done I was like what about the other ten I just I lost my mind right and then um, uh, over time it became the eight steps just kind of keeping that simple and clear and concise uh, and um, listen it, it it has guided me and this morning I was listening to a John Maxwell podcast he's one of my favorite speakers and teachers and authors uh, and if you don't listen to his podcast you really should but he was talking about the difference between principles slash values and um, just just you know things that you may believe and he gave the example of when he was a kid uh, his his parents would uh, you know he'd get in trouble his parents would send him to his room and uh, and that was his punishment and for him that was torture because the world was outside of his room and he was such an extrovert he just wanted to participate with the world and, and then he got to um, uh, being a parent and his own daughter Elizabeth they would send her to her room and she's back there playing for hours she never would come out after that she was very happy to go to her room so that was an example of something that doesn't work from uh, scenario to scenario it's not a universal thing that works but principles values these are things that do universally work over and over and over again and what I found for the eight steps is that has been true in my life uh, the eight steps we we relate these eight steps to the to our business um, but I can just as easily relate these eight steps to my personal life and being married and raising a family um, because these are principles this is not a, a an eight-step program like you might go through to to detox <laughs> right this is an eight-step program that you go through to to detox bad habits and bad principles and bad values that you've had in your life that maybe aren't your own fault but maybe they were instilled inside of you and and it's just how you've lived this is a new set of principles that you can guide your life by that I want to share with you this morning so we're going to jump right into it and talk about it the eight steps the eight steps should permeate every area of your life it's not just about business it's about your personal life it's about uh, relationships any, anywhere uh, people would rather see a sermon than hear one any day just just know that more is caught than taught in this world um, and I, 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 I use the example a lot and I don't know your opinion or beliefs about this guy named Jesus um, and, and I'm not going to shove any of my beliefs down your throat about it, but he is a real dude that lived like 2,000 years ago, surrounded himself with 12 other dudes, and, um, and 2,000 years later, there's like you know, a billion or so people still following uh, him. 
uh, and that's it's it's pretty crazy. I think it's one of the greatest examples of leadership uh, that, uh, that 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 is out there in history, right? And again, I don't care what you think about him uh, for purposes of this conversation, but how did he? How did he do that? How did he take 12 people and turn it into a billion 2,000 years later? Well, um, he lived with those 12 for three years. They, 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 they didn't separate from each other. He, he wasn't putting together PowerPoints or training videos or podcasts. <laughs> he was investing in them with his life. The sermon was seen. It, it wasn't just taught. It was caught. They caught it. And that's from a leadership perspective. That's so big that how you live your life, people may not comment on it, but they are noticing. What you do speaks so loudly, I can't hear what you say. Teaching the eight steps should be the lesson that supports how you live your life. So when you're when you're turning around and teaching the eight steps to those people in your life that need to hear it, it, it should it shouldn't seem incongruent with what they know about you. It should seem like, oh, yeah, that makes sense. That's how he lives. And I, one of my favorite movies is A Few Good Men. The, the, uh, the eight steps are our code. It's how we live like a few good men. So we're going to jump into it. Step, eight steps. Step one is personal use. Personal use. Now, I could say about this, you know, that we're talking about business here and, and the eight steps and how it pertains to our business. But, you know, eight steps as how it pertains to my marriage. It's best that I use the product at home and not the product at somebody else's house. You know what I'm saying? So like personal use, it, it applies everywhere. But personal use. As a business owner, integrity begins with knowing, believing, and investing in the products and services that you offer. If you own a Mercedes dealership, it's really weird if you drive a Rolls Royce. You should drive a Mercedes. Maybach is a fancy Mercedes, but it's still a Mercedes, right? So as a business owner, integrity begins with knowing, believing, and investing in the products and services that you offer. Agents learn the whole process by buying their own policy. What a great training tool. We, we teach this all the time. It's, it's part of our bringing an agent on board is writing the first app typically on themselves, maybe on a, a family member, but, but certainly somebody they know, right? Because as you're going through the sub submitting the application and going through the underwriting and learning how commissions get paid and all that sort of stuff, it is so nice to do it on yourself as opposed to doing it on a stranger that now you have to go, wow, I'm sort of new. You're my first app. I don't, I don't know how this really works, right? And instead, you're working out all the kinks on your own policy. Objections that an agent won't overcome to buy their own policy are the same objections they struggle with in dealing with clients. So in buying your own policy, did you ever say that's too expensive? I guarantee you that's the objection that you have a tough time overcoming in the home. Have you ever said we already have lots of life insurance? That's the objection that you're not going to be able to overcome in the home. Right? So overcoming that objection for yourself gives you more power and confidence in overcoming it with others. Why did Britney Spears lose her huge contract with Pepsi? Because she got caught drinking a Coke. Even worse, she was investing in Coca-Cola stock. Pepsi was paying her millions and she was turning around investing in Coca-Cola. Hello? <laughs> That's not bright. As a leader, we cannot stand by and allow our agents to make decisions that we know will hurt them. So, so, I, so what? I mean, my, my marketing plan to build my business is not to run ads and hire people and get them to buy a bunch of policies on themselves. Eventually, that runs its course. There's only so many policies somebody's going to buy on themselves. So that's not our marketing strategy. But I do know that, that agents who own their own policies that they're out there selling, they sell more. Because you own it, you're going to end up selling more of it because you believe in it. I can't sell something I don't believe in, and the things I believe in, I own. 
Just that simple. So as a leader, when I see somebody not doing that, I have to go, you're making a huge mistake. This is going to cost you everything. Don't do that. Step two, work. Work, four-letter word. <laughs> Opportunity is missed by most people because it is addressed in overalls and looks like work. That was Thomas Edison that said that. I've always attributed that to Mark Twain. And in preparing for this, I was like, you know what? I don't think Mark Twain said that. I think it was somebody else. And true enough, it's Thomas Edison. But uh, opportunity is missed by most people because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. People will call you unbalanced. Balance is a fallacy. It's a word that mediocre people created to justify their mediocrity. Now, let me be clear. Um, I, I, uh, I, was listen, I, I, love li- I listen to several podcasts, and I love listening to entrepreneurs who have been uh, crazy successful because I also know they had crazy struggles. And I was listening to an entrepreneur this morning on a podcast who is in his 50s, uh, and he says, he jokes, he said, I don't remember my 30s. And it's not that he was, uh, you know, drunk and, and literally can't remember. It's that he was working so much. He doesn't remember anything about his 30s but working. But now he's in his 50s and he's a multi, 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 multi millionaire. Now, do I think you need to forget a whole decade of your life in order to get there? No, I don't think so. But I also know that you're not going to get there without working. Right. And so people are going to call you unbalanced. I, I've been called that. You're unbalanced if you can't. <laughs> who's Britney Spears? <laughs> That's funny chat. Um, <laughs> new generation. That's actually an old person that asked it, though. Um, I, you can't do everything. So understand what balance is. To me, having balance in my life is this. My priorities know that they are a priority. And they know it because of how I spend my time. So like my, I've always said, I'm willing to do anything it takes to build this business, but I'm not willing to break the law and I'm not willing to lose my family. Those two things are just kind of my bugaboo. <laughs> I'm just not going to do them, right? Because I'm not going to do well in jail, let's face it. And I, I'm, I, I can't imagine being without my family. I would not do well with that either. So, um, but, but, but short of that, like I don't need to coach my kid's soccer team in order to have balance in my life. I don't need to be the scoutmaster. I, I, don't, I don't need to mow my own yard. I don't need to all this stuff to have balance in my life. A lot of people try to balance it all. You can't balance it all. Don't try to. Figure out what your priorities are and do those. That, to me, is balance. But it's not what the world considers balance. They're going to say that you're imbalanced. They're going to say that you're out of balance. They're going to say that you're crazy. That's how you know you're doing it right when they say stuff like you work too much. I do. I also play with my family too much. Those are the only two things I do, (laughs) right? I'm either working or I'm with the family. There's not a whole lot in between for me. That's my balance. you got to decide yours. Work hard at the smart things and work smart by prioritizing your time. Focus your time on income-producing activities and waste-producing activities. <laughs> You've you got you to prioritize time. What is producing waste and what is producing income? Income-producing activities are education. You've got to read. You've got to study. You've got you to become a, a student, right? You, you cash flow. You've got to focus on your sales. That's cash flow. Building. You've got to focus on hiring and training other agents. Now flip that to discover which should, should consume the most time. If you're building this business properly, education shouldn't be a 40-hour-a-week thing. Building could be, right? So education, I put in my calendar first. Otherwise, it's not going to get done. But then I, I spend most of my time building. When I was personally producing and building, I'd spend my time mostly building. And then came second was personal production. But I had to put it in my calendar first because I had to pay bills. 
So it was more important, but I wanted to spend less time doing it because it's not who I wanted to be ultimately. Monitor your performance. How else do you know that your work is producing fruit? Could you imagine? I, listen, I, I've heard of these, 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 these teams, these kids that, that play sports and they don't keep score. Well, everybody on my kids' teams, all the parents, know they can ask me what the score is because they care, but I'm, I'm tracking it because that's important. The score is important. That's called life. Your score is important in life. And in this business, if you're not monitoring your performance, how do you know that you're working? And how do you know that that work is producing fruit? You can feel your way into success, but it never happens. You have to know your way into it. When you are standing around is when you'll get into trouble. That's what my mom used to always say. When you're just standing there is when you're going to get in trouble. I don't mind. It's the devil's playground. She say stuff like that. And Okay, I get you. I got to work. My mom used to always say, too, you sure do love work, don't you, boy? And I go, what do you mean? Well, you could sit for hours and watch it. <laughs> Last time I heard that, I was 12. Hadn't heard it since. Never heard it again. Commitment to continuity breeds emotional stability. One of my favorite all-time quotes. Commitment to continuity breeds emotional stability. My wife talks about how I am so predictable. And, and, and I laugh and I always say back to her, isn't that nice to know that I don't have a, a second family in Utah somewhere like they did in Fletch? Like, it's, like it, isn't that nice to know that I'm predictable? Isn't that nice to know that I'm going to get up in the morning, I'm going to exercise, I'm going to go to the office, I'm going to come home, I'm going to play with the family, the family's going to go to bed, I'm going to work a little bit more, get up tomorrow and do it again. Isn't that nice? Well, I can tell you what it does for me. My commitment to that continuity keeps my emotions level. Now, I'm a human. Stuff happens. Do I get excited? Yes. Do I get depressed? Yes. Is it, but but the, the money is staying somewhere in the middle. And for me, I know that my routine, which involves work, if I was sitting as my routine and just watching TV all day, it wouldn't be the same. But that my commitment to that continuity breeds emotional stability in me. And what I've noticed is it also breeds emotional stability in those around me. Step three, listen. What? <laughs> successful individuals listen to what their partners are telling them, to what their customers are saying, and to what other successful people are doing. Communication is 7% of the words used and 93% everything else. Don't just listen to the words. Listen to how it's being said. Common argument between men and women. It's not what you said. It's how you said it, right? And the men go, no, it's what I said. No, it's not. She's telling you it's how you said it. <laughs> you could have said, I love you. But it didn't sound like you meant it when you said, I love you. Like that's not, it's how you said it that matters. 93% of communication is everything else. Why are you only communicating with words? That's what happens when you're dealing with emails and texts. Listen to understand. Listen to understand rather than to be understood. Do you want to be understood or do you want to understand? Listen, success is in the understanding, not in being understood. Be on the front row. You'll pick up on things that would otherwise miss. Now, we're in this, this pandemic world now where everything is done Zoom and, 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 and the front row of a meeting isn't necessarily true anymore. But if you're watching this on a computer screen, are you sitting and watching and actively listening to it or are you doing 15 other things at the same time? One of the podcasts I listen to, she's constantly saying, hey, if you're multitasking, come back to me right now. I've got an important point to make. Because <laughs> she knows that people listening to her podcast are driving or running and, and, and answering emails and all this other stuff all at the same time. When you're listening to this stuff, are you focusing or are you just hearing noise? Stay focused. 
make your car a rolling university. I love music. I'm a very music just just feeds my soul. I don't know how 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 else to say it but that. But I also know that I need to feed my mind. I can't just feed my soul all the time. And so do I listen to music in my truck? Sure, I do. I confess it. But more than that, I'm listening to audio because I know that that 10 or 15 minutes I've got between here and the house could make a difference today. Step four, read. A wise man once said, the secrets of the universe are stored in libraries that only an elite few could access. With access to these secrets, the elite few dominated the world. I don't think there's a lot of original thought under the sun today. I think it's, it's, it's all been thought before, mostly. There may be some new thoughts, but mostly it's already been thought. It's in books, and people don't even know that there is, it's in books. They'll go to a conference maybe and hear something. They go, man, that was revelatory. That's not revelatory. It's been around for 100 years. You're just hearing it for the first time, but it's been around. It's hidden in books, and the only way you're going to get it is by reading it. 15 to 20 minutes a day will change your life. It's a gradual change, but it will happen, and that change begins to affect the world around you. There's so many problems in our world today. I was going to say the problem with the world today, there's so many problems with the world today. But one of the problems is everybody's trying to change everybody else. Stop it. Stop trying to change everybody else. Focus on fixing you. Look in the mirror. Fix your own crap, man. Work on your own circle. Then that will inspire change in others because they'll observe your fruit. They'll say, I want that. Or they may observe your fruit and go, I don't want that. Right? So work on you. Change you. Don't but fits. Don't fits. Don't but fits me. Just just do it. Just get your stuff together. And then worry about everybody else's stuff. Never. Inspire the change that you want to see in the world. Don't try to force it. People don't respond well to that. When you are a reader, it's easier to become a better coach. You could forcibly tell someone how to change, or you could have them read a book. Psychologists tell us that people better um, receive information that's, that's given to them third-hand as opposed to you telling them directly. Like, this is how you should do it. Instead, you should say, well, I was listening to this podcast, or I was reading this book, and this is how that person did it. Most people receive that better than they receive it coming directly from you. That's just a psychology thing. Trust me, it's, it's true. <laughs> Step five. Attend all meetings. Meetings and conversation and conventions trick business people into making money. The successful business people I know in this world consistently invest in not just reading books and listening to podcasts and audio and all that sort of stuff. They go to conventions. They go to seminars. They go. They, they're there. And when you're there, you end up meeting other people who are like-minded and, and, and like-focused. And just like that, you're, you become a bigger power. Uh, unto yourself because of these others that are surrounding you going after the same things. It also means networking and learning from others. Attending meetings generates enthusiasm and motivation. It initiates questions. When a person attends a meeting, he's sending a message that he wants to be part of the organization. When somebody shows up for the, my team call or somebody shows up for our Tuesday morning sales meeting or somebody shows up for, <laughs> for a coaching conversation, when they show up, they're saying to me that they want to be part of what's going on. When they don't show up, they're saying to me they don't want to be part of that. And that's fine uh, for them, but not for me. I'm looking for folks in building my business, who, people who want to be around. And, and, the, and, and the people who are leading me, I want to show them that I want to be around. Meetings allow you to use all of your senses to learn, not just hearing or sight, but all of it. The people who attend all the meetings refuse 
to complain about them. It's only the people who, re- who refuse to benefit from meetings who complain about them. You guys got that call every Tuesday morning. I just can't do it. Have you attended it? If you committed to attending it, chances are you're going to learn something from it, make more money from it. And, and as a result, you're going to end up complaining about it a lot less because you're going to see the benefit of it. Your group attendance to meeting uh, is, is, key pul- is a key pulse to measure the strength of your business. Don't be head faked. We talk about the key pulse to measure the strength of your business. There is a video that I've put out called The Four Pulses to Measure the Strength of Your Agency. Uh, you can go up here. You see the link uh, in the video here. Uh, if you're listening to this later and don't have that link, just let me know. It's kind of long to recite it out to you. But you can go to this link and watch this video. Uh, you can go to, uh, if you have access to the to TFG Complete uh, training library. You can go there and just do a search for pulse and you'll see it. But it's one of the pulses that measure the strength of your business is how many of your people are attending the meetings on a regular basis. Come early and stay late. You never know who's going to be there early that you get a conversation with or who's going to be there late that you get a conversation with. Come early, stay late. Step six, be teachable. People overestimate the power of a few words from a coach, but they underestimate the power of ongoing coaching. Consistently, I feel like in, in leading others, um, I get to this place, people come to me when their life is an absolute poop show, <laughs> right? They're like, man, they're, they're in the midst of a class five hurricane that's, in the, that's got tornadoes in it and a typhoon a- approaching at the same time. And they come to me and go, can you help me? Oh, gosh, I could have like six months ago before you got into this world of hurt. Right now, all I can tell you is take shelter, <laughs> right? Hunker down because it's a heck of a storm. And like, I, it's, you will avoid so many more problems. And I'm not saying I need to be your coach, but you will avoid so many more problems in your life if you can just get coaching before the problems come up as opposed to looking for rescuing once the problems are there. People change when they want to. Being teachable means that you are willing to change fast. Build your organization with people willing to change fast, and you will look like a genius. More importantly, you will grow faster. I read a, I read a, a stat last night. Uh, Alabama just won the national championship for college football. Um, all 11 of Nick Saban's recruiting classes at the University of Alabama, all 11 recruiting classes have played in the national championship. All 11. Now, is that because he's a great coach? Some would say yes, but Nick Saban would say he's a better coach because he has great players. He would be, not just anybody could step in and coach uh, a team for sure, but, but, but he's a better coach when he's got better players. Your team is a better team when it's got better players on it. When, when you've got people who are awesome, your te- you look better because your team is growing so fast and, and you know the truth. It's not really you, it's the team. That's why I say all the time, I'm the fits of the group. The group is much bigger than me and the culture that we have is due to the group. The fits is just the name, man. It's just, I'm just a dude. But the group is what's powerful and I look so much better because of the group that we have that are so awesome. With constant correction and guidance, you constantly correct your course. Learn as you go. The biggest impediment to becoming teachable is the influence of other people. The biggest impediment to becoming teachable is the influence of other people. When, when people who mean well will say to you, don't do that. Oh, you sh- no, you should. Don't go to that meeting. Don't listen to that podcast. Don't read that book. I mean, I remember in college, my friends making fun of me for reading How to Win Friends and Influence People. I'm like, I just want to learn how to win friends and influence people. 
Like, I, I don't see how that's such a bad thing. And they're like, well, you just learn how to manipulate people. No, I'm learning how to win friends and influence people. <laughs> Why are you home on a Friday night? You know, because like, <laughs> you have no friends and don't know how to influence people. Like, I just, that's, that's what I want. And so you got to be aware of the people around you that are keeping you from being teachable. Be teachable. Don't think you're too smart to learn. and Don't think you're too dumb to learn. Don't think that you know so much there's nothing possible for you to learn more, but also don't think so little of yourself that there's nothing you can learn. You can learn. I promise you. It's absolutely 100% possible and likely if you put yourself in a position for it. Step seven, be accountable. When I, when I was 17, 18, heard this for the first time, I thought they said be a cannibal. And I was like, I got to eat people in order, <laughs> in order to be successful? I don't think I like this program. So that was when I still thought there were 18 of these steps and not just eight. So <laughs> be accountable. That means able to account, right? Being accountable means that you do what you say you're going to do. You said you're going to do it and you follow up with it. That's why Proverbs will say stuff like, you know, be slow to pledge, right? Because what you say you're going to do, you now have to do. Right? That's why it's so powerful when somebody comes up with a goal, they're 40% likely of, of, of hitting it because they wrote it down, right? But you're 73% likely to hit it, hit that goal if you tell other people about it. You know why? Because that accountability comes into it. When it's just something that you committed to yourself, you're only accountable to yourself. But when you tell other people, now you're accountable to them. And when you tell other people who are going to ask you how you're doing with it, <laughs> yeah even more likely being accountable requires being committed in all areas of your life not only must you work you must also prepare for work it's not just about showing up for game time it's about showing up for practice and practicing like you're going to play the game only make promises that you know you can keep show up on time pay your bills on time follow through with your commitments see how i start off saying these are principles that apply in all areas of your life we're teaching it specifically to your business but paying your bills on time is a good thing it's never the wrong thing to do the right thing. And accountability is a right thing. Step eight, communicate with a positive mental attitude. Oh, here we go. Positive mental attitude. Got that positive stuff again. I knew we were going to come to that. Well, yeah. Nobody likes being around somebody who's a douchebag, <laughs> right? Nobody likes being around somebody who's like, oh, the world's terrible. We're probably all going to collapse. Nobody wants to be around that. Nobody likes that except other people who are like that, and they just end up taking themselves into this deep pit of despair. I don't like that. I don't want to be around that. I want to be around encouragement. I want to be around positivity. When my own kids are acting like that, I'm going to please, please change what you're saying right now because I don't want to be around you right now until you start changing what you're saying. Your ability to communicate conveys a message about your personality. Make a conscious decision that you are not going to complain. Just for the next 24 hours. <laughs> Oh, man, in our current climate, <laughs> in our nation, in our world, just not complaining for the next 24 hours. What could that do for your life? <laughs> right? Focus on not complaining. Communicating in a positive manner will lure people into your business. And the way you communicate, remember, communication is 7% words, 93% everything else. So the way you communicate in that positive manner will pull people in. They're going to be drawn in to your positivity, and especially in the climate we're in today. Because there's so much garbage out there that when you're positive and when you're a breath of fresh air, when you are hope in a world of despair, you attract people like crazy. 
Choose the proper medium to communicate, email, text, phone calls, in person. Remember, 7% of communication is words, 93% is everything else. If you have a really important message to deliver, it cannot be through email, it cannot be through text, it can be through phone call, most likely needs to be in person. I started using Zoom meetings years ago to, to, to do coaching conversations with people around the country because I know what I had to say was too important for an email, too important for a text, and on the phone call just didn't carry what I needed them to carry because I needed them to see my face. I needed them to see my body language because I'm communicating so much through all of that that they're just not going to get otherwise. So choose the proper medium to communicate. Not all communication is positive, but all communication can be delivered in a positive manner. Man, you look like crap today. <laughs> That's not positive. Hey, I like what you did there. I, I, I wonder if you're open to some, you know, uh, feedback on how you're dressed. I mean, I, like when I walk out, when I walk out of my closet and I'm dressed a certain way and Heather goes, That's, there's better ways of saying it. <laughs> that goes, oh, I got to go change clothes again. Every husband lives this, right? So not all communication is positive, but all communication can be delivered in a positive manner. Don't dump your problems. Learn to how to identify problems and communicate possible solutions. Any idiot can identify problems. Any idiot can see that doesn't work. Any idiot can see, I mean, I say it clearly, any idiot can do that. You don't have to be very intelligent or, 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 or very worthwhile in order to identify something that's not working. As an employer, I'm not looking for somebody that can identify the problems. I know it's a problem. I need you to give me some possible solutions because my thinking is limited. And when you come to me with possible solutions, it expands my capabilities and helps us all do better. I don't know it all, and I'm very aware of that. <laughs> so when people come to me with problems, I'm like, okay, well, how do we fix it then? Well, I don't know. Okay, well, noted, there's a problem. <laughs> Not knowing how to fix it, noted. <laughs> I need you to come to me with some solutions, some possible answers. Personal appearance conveys attitude too. If you look like a bum, people are going to treat you like a bum. You, you got to dress, dress nicer. You got to brush your hair. You got to brush your teeth. You got you to use some mouthwash once in a while. You know, pick that stuff out of your teeth. You know, I, hey, listen, I, I remember... Um, uh, people who've come over the years and had some some funky teeth going on and when they started making a little bit of money the first thing they did was got braces and kind of fixed their teeth why because that says to other people that stuff matters that because because listen it, people aren't attracted to they're attracted to oh so, so it's make your appearance more oh I, i'm not ever going to be brad pitt but i can keep my my beard trimmed right i can keep the the nose hair from co-mingling with the mustache hair i can keep you know the the hairs from coming out here out of my ears i can take care of that kind of stuff i'm not going to be the world's sexiest man by time but 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 i can be attractive in that i got rid of all that other crap i can keep my my unibrow from being una and i can make it duo <laughs> so it's little stuff like that that really conveys your attitude and people see that you care people see that you that, that things like that are important to you and they're attracted to that promise so anyway these eight steps like i say i feel like uh, i know i know i don't feel like since 1994 1995 uh, these have been principles in my life not steps to to becoming rich but just eight steps to living a fruitful life um, and i think it's worthwhile paying attention to and and just 
striving to get better at each one of these things. Nobody's ever going to be perfect, but can you get better? Hope that helps. Uh, my, my contact information is here. Uh, feel free to let me know if I can help in any way. Let's talk. Let's, uh, let's, uh, let's get things better. All right. See you soon. Can I help you? Sure would like to. If you're an agent with us, please go to timewithfits.com. That's timewithfitz.com to schedule a time when I can help you directly. Just pick a topic, pick a time, and we'll meet. If you're not an agent with The Fitz Group, I encourage you to go to thefitzgroup.org slash contact. Again, that's thefitzgroup.org slash contact and send us a message. See you next week.